0: We're moving in a new direction, moving forward, and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria, and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at altria.com.
1: Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill
0: Alexander.
3: Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM. Also on FAYA TV Channel 77 and iTalkNet. Dot com And we're uh, broadcasting live from the Phil Giannetti Motors studio high atop High Street. If you're looking for a quality pre-owned vehicle, give Chip a call. The phone number is 724-785-6800 or stop by his website, philgiannettimotors.com. How's everybody doing this evening? Hope everybody's doing fine. And uh, tonight, uh, looking forward to this interview now for about uh, two weeks. We're going to be talking to former NFL player Sean Harper. Now, if you're not familiar with Sean Harper, he actually played with the Rams, the Oilers, and the Colts. And he also played for the NFL in Europe. But give you a little bit of background of who Sean is. Sean was marked with poverty by fifth grade. He was documented with learning disabilities, stuttering, academic failure, drugs, and alcohol. This was a process he had to endure to develop strength of character to become the confident man he is today. He is a former NFL offensive lineman who played a total of seven seasons with the Rams, the Oilers, the Colts, and the NFL Europe. Since 2004, he has owned and operated American Services and Protection, a multi-million dollar uh, security f- services firm, headquarters in Columbus, Ohio, a motivational speaker, and an author. His journey from the grit and sweat of the NFL locker room to the corporate culture of the boardroom proved that he could win in both worlds by using many of the same principles – and strategies on the phone line right now we have sean harper sean how are you doing
1: i am doing absolutely wonderful i'm having a great time here in columbus i'm blessed how are you
3: i'm doing real good this evening so i've been looking forward to this
1: interview because i
3: i read some of your background and you uh went to college at northern iowa um area community college and then you were in indiana correct and you were a yes. Hoosier. Yes. Ah. <laughs> and then you made it out and you started to play in the NFL in 92 as you were drafted by the L.A. Rams. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so, it, when I read the beginning of it, it says your childhood was very difficult. Can you give me a little bit of background about your childhood?
1: Yeah. You know what? One of my earliest memories was me standing In the uh, second grade line, first day of school. Okay. And the teacher walking up and pulling me back into the first grade line. Uh, That was very, uh, very disheartening, very, very depressing for a young lad. And the kids were looking at me, and and they're glaring, and they're laughing. They're like, you have to repeat the first grade. Uh, Mm -hmm. You failed. That's what we called it back then. Right. And by the time I was in the fifth grade, I was documented with four to five learning disabilities. Um, kicked out of uh, two schools because of disciplinary issues. I mean I stuttered. I I st- st- stuttered uh, my entire life. I could not complete a sentence till college. Um, I went on um, um, high school, leaving high school with a one point six two accumulative GPA, nine on my A C T. Out of one hundred and fifty four seniors to graduate from Independence High School in Columbus, Ohio, my academic ranking was one hundred and fifty four. Athletically um, I I Barely started in high school football. Um, I wasn't even honorable mention all conference. Uh, I was just a guy. Yeah, so it was kind of tough.
3: So how did you go from that to playing football in college and then making it to the NFL? Well,
1: so I went off to a junior college. Uh, I I paid my own way through loans and grants, and my mom dropped me off and between two cornfields in Mason City, Iowa, <laughs> deep. It's, it's Okay. A, it's a different place, it's a different place out there. And the first year I sat the bench because I was on a, I actually was on a success paradigm, which 95 to 97% of all people are on an actual success paradigm. And I realized at that moment that I would never be successful, but I can win. And there's two different styles of thinking right there. Okay. One is based off of success, one is based off of winning. One is prescribed, one is described. And I'm like, you know what, I'll never be successful according to the world. I don't have the grades, I don't have the connections. Um, um, I'm not in the loop, um, I've been marked for failure, both are most likely to fail, but I can win. And I was created to win. So let me explain that to you. If, if you got a couple seconds,
3: please do. I, I'm um, kind of curious now.
1: Yeah, it's like we are we are engineered to win. So, in fact, winning is in our actual DNA. So let me explain to you. What I mean, uh, let's say that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like them, hate them, you know, because we lost <laughs> in that game in 96. The guy took a pass <laughs> that was very depressing. So let's just say that the Steelers lost every game for the next five years, okay?
2: Okay.
1: It wouldn't happen. Let's say that it did happen. Okay. How hard would it be to get a ticket to a football game? It'd
2: be very
3: easy. it so easy. <laughs> it right.
1: Would, it'd now, be easy after a while, to- Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's say that they won every game for the next five years. You could not get a ticket. Correct. Why? Because we are attracted to winning. Mm-hmm. And when we were kids, we would play video games all day. We would play video games all night. Did we love the game? Yeah, no. Why? Because we were trying to win. The fact that everyone is listening or whoever is listening, You're one of two to three million sperm cells that made it. You're the only one. Why? Because you are successful? No, because you came out trying to win. Okay. But what happens is around, around the third or fourth grade, we're introduced to a success paradigm. And the success says you have to go to college. Success says you have to make good grades. Success says you have to do certain things in order to be successful in certain occupations. And that's not true we've been called to win and not be successful. And so when I tapped into winning, I tapped into something deeper than my why. And once I tapped into that and realized that I'm here, I'm a born winner. Now the success part part becomes easy because I'm seeing things from a different perspective. I can win. It's like I begin to diver life. Okay. I got you. So, yeah. So that, That is my actual mindset is I'm here to win. And if life is a game, play to win.
3: What I think is amazing with everything that you were dealt, um, the failure from first to second grade, the disabilities um, and everything you had, 1.6 grade point average in high school, you never gave up. You kept going. You kept striving to make yourself be the best that you possibly could be. But yet, you have other people that may have been dealt the same deck of cards, or even maybe not as bad as you, that don't want that. That, that say, "Woe is me." They don't try to improve themselves. Why do we have people like that?
1: Well, wow. um, actually, there was a point where I wanted to give up, okay. and I had called my mom and I said, "Mom, I quit. I give up." And that's when she's like, "You know what?
0: You hang
1: in there. You keep fighting." Son, let's go for it. Okay. um I, I, Honestly, that is one of the characteristics of a winner. Is that winners don't quit. They just keep fighting. They get. They just keep plugging away until their obstacles become opportunities. If you're playing football and you're down eighty to zero, and there's twenty minutes left, or or sixteen minutes left, or I'm sorry. Eight minutes left in the quarter. You don't just walk off the field. You still gotta finish the game. You still got to finish, right? You know, yeah. So the fight that is that is the DNA of a winner. There's about like uh, 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 wow. It's like there's like learning how to ride a bike. You learn by failing. Imagine if you never got back on the bike. Okay. You would just, you'd be on the sideline 35, 40 years old, not knowing how to ride a bike. Yeah. You get back on the bike. That is in our DNA.
2: Okay.
3: So, So, in other words, are you saying that everybody has this in their DNA? It just has to be pulled out of them?
1: Yes. I'm saying that everyone is born with the gift of persistence. When your mama told you no, you found a way to ask the question another way. You have the gift to get over it. I mean, uh you could be friends one minute and you hate each other the next minute and about eight minutes later you're friends again. You have right. the gift of imagination. You believed in a big, fat, four hundred fifty pound man who came down a chimney when you didn't have a <laughs> chimney. You're right. Okay, you know, we, we are born with the gift of adventure. I mean, I mean, did you know what we created when we were kids? Our, our actual imagination was immense. All of these things we had in us, but the world beat it out of us.
3: And do you see that that, that is one of the problems that the world is beating it out of kids? that they don't have the imagination, they don't have the creativity, and all they're worried about is that test that they have to take to show that they're actually moving along?
1: Yes, yes. I see that. Um, Sir, you are like dead on, spot on, 100%. Even me, honestly, okay? And I try to be honest and I try to be as transparent as possible. I have to catch myself with my own son. He's. 17 years of age right now. I'm like, you know what, I man, you gotta get good grades, you gotta do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm even doing that. You know, stop it, Sean. Stop it. Okay. Celebrate his genius. He is a genius, he's a winner. Help him discover it and celebrate it, you know. So yeah. The person talking to you about this right now, I even have to catch myself.
3: Okay. So when you mentioned it before, you said you wanted to quit and yet you told your mother this. Was your mother your support system that you had?
1: Yes. She was one. You know, my mom is just a remarkable woman. She raised all six of us. Wow. Single parent uh, setting, one little home, one bathroom, and impoverished. and And she scrubbed floors in affluent neighborhoods. Okay. And she raised all six of us all by herself, but she, she I don't know how she was able to see the king and the kid, but she saw it in me at a young age, and she says, son, one day you're going to be all over the world. I'm like, how did you see that?
3: That's impressive. But that that really is.
1: Yeah. So
3: the other thing that I noticed, too, is that you overcome these disabilities, and you said that you you stuttered which to me is amazing that someone that that stutters that has a bad stuttering problem can actually become a public speaker and actually overcome that and stand in front of large groups of people and still talk about those situations, but yet the stuttering never comes back.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes I still stutter. Okay. Sometimes uh, I do trip up over words, but one thing I've learned in... I really want to emphasize this point. Okay, you're not disabled. You're uniquely enabled. Okay. Everyone has strengths. Everyone has weaknesses. I just endeavor to make my weaknesses my strength. Back to the original quote: We all have shortcomings. We all have weaknesses. Um, every human on the planet Earth. Okay, winners tend to make their weaknesses strengths, or when they're able, they staff their weaknesses. Like example, I mean. Superman's weakness is kryptonite, but he doesn't but you know he doesn't walk around like oh I'm a victim, please, you know, green stuff, oh my god. You know? <laughs> he's like you're right. He's like Batman, get that kryptonite <laughs> out the way so I can go do what I got to do, you know? Yeah, you're right, yeah. you're right.
3: Um with the, what the stuttering was one that you mentioned, what were the other disabilities that you had overcome?
1: You know what? I don't remember all of them, but let's say uh, there was forms of Dyslexia, okay. the rote or root memorization. Horrible at that. Uh, and something something to do with shapes. It's it's okay. really tough. You know, it's like triangles and I'm like, oh my god, it's driving crazy. So and so, then there was one more, yeah.
3: So my question is, you had these difficulties and yet you go into the NFL or in college football and you had to learn your plays you're dealing with shapes with X's and O's and all this. How did you overcome those things to be successful in your career?
1: So, well, I'll say this. Um, If someone has, if the average person has to study for one hour, maybe, maybe I need to study for two hours. Okay. But three hours, you know, It just, um, I could, I could remember Lyman helping me you know other people like like daggone uh an actual class a tutoring class just to learn plays
3: really Okay. i did
1: whatever i had to do yeah yeah
3: so when you were when you were uh first picked up by um the the rams what Was that, was that the one thing you always wanted to do was be drafted, but yet did you feel that was the top of the mountain that you had to climb or did you feel you had to go higher?
1: I felt honestly, I felt that that was my apex and that was dangerous. Okay. Like I said earlier, you know, I want to be open. I want to be honest and I want to be transparent I a I did not have the NFL career that I wanted. Uh, it was plagued with injuries and setbacks. Um, but when I was drafted, that was the dream that I picked up. Um, and that was dangerous, because once I actually achieved that dream, it was really hard to be motivated to do um, other things.
3: Interesting. Okay. Uh,
1: and Yeah, and uh, I did not... I did not replace that dream with another dream uh, and honestly, it's, it, it, it had, uh, it had taken years for me to realize in the tap into something deeper that I want to be a blessing. I want to encourage people. Um, I want to motivate people, uh, that has taken years to come to the forefront and that honestly plagues a lot of NFL athletes. It's okay. Now that you've made it to the apex of sports, Now what? And then there's nothing else pulling you, nothing else driving you, and you long for that competition. And that could be kind of detrimental, to be really honest.
3: Because I doubt whenever you were playing at 92, which was, um, wow, seems like a couple lifetimes ago probably, the money was not the same money that they're receiving today.
1: No, it's not. (laughs) You know, I'm looking and I'm seeing, you know, Football players played two years, and I'm done. Two years later, I'm done. I'm like, wow. (laughs) I'm just like, wow. Yeah.
3: So you played for the Rams, you played for the Colts, and then you played in NFL Europe for the Amsterdam Admirals. And when you you left the Colts and went to play in NFL Europe, did you realize your career was pretty much on the downfall? Uh,
1: No, no. Um, okay, for some reason I didn't. For some reason I did not think like that. Uh, I was, you know, focused on the future, focused on moving, and then towards the end, I said, "You know what? I'm done. I'm done. Let's just hang this up and let's find something else in life to do." Okay, uh, and that's literally, literally how it happened. Had a great time over there. I, you know, I played with some phenomenal athletes. It was reality TV before reality TV was even popular. Because it was <laughs> 40 to 50 guys were all staying in one hotel trying to either get to the league or get back to the league. And it was crazy. Yeah. Did yeah. you think, it was a blast.
3: And, and I remember when whenever the NFL tried to do a European league, did you think it was going to take off and be successful or did you just think it was going to be something that was just going to last for a short period of time? And like you said, was your way to get back into the NFL?
1: No, I think honestly that is going to be successful. Okay. I think that those seeds were sown. Um, uh, the Europeans are fascinating uh, people, and they love American football. Okay, I think that those seeds are planted. As you've seen games that are over in London and right. over in Europe, are just like they just—they just have to figure out a way to make it work with the NFL back home stateside. But okay, oh yeah, it's going to go eventually.
3: It's just going to take longer than they thought it would. Yes, so. You're you're you you own your own security company. What got you from the NFL to doing security?
1: You know, what? it's actually a natural progression. The 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 uh, the logistic or or the uh, what word I'm looking for um, um, the natural evolution of of the of the entire situation is that my brother owned a security firm. Okay. And I had invested into the firm. And so I had, um, automatically inherited a position of ownership. But playing offensive lineman, you are, you are naturally in that role. And in college, I was left tackle. So guess what? Um, the blind side, protector, security firm, protector. It was a natural evolution from that aspect as well.
3: Interesting. I would have never realized that. So you've been working. You you are still working in the security firm, or are you doing motivational speaking and, and writing um, as your
1: main? So now? yeah, I still, I'm still currently the CEO okay. of American Services and Protection, uh, and and I do travel and speak a lot.
3: Okay. Um. So that's where I want to talk about right now because you went from that from a, uh, from the college with uh, with the Hoosiers. Then you went to the NFL, played for your multiple teams, and went to security. What got you into motivational speaking and writing?
1: So, it was funny. Uh, just like when I mentioned the NFL and NFL Europe, you know, seeds were planted. And this went right back to the grade. It was crazy. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there stuttering in class, uh, underperforming was was a uh, actual understatement. And my fifth grade teacher said, Sean, I want you to say this poem over the loudspeaker, you know, from the principal's office. And I'm like, Really? Said, Yeah. And I go up there, I say this crazy poem that I wrote, you know, Twinkle Star, you go far with a guitar. I don't know what I said. And she came back like that was amazing. And that seed stuck and it was germinated, um when I was playing football, you know, on the off season, uh, if you call any uh, PR office of any football team on the off season, there are players available to do speaking engagements okay. and autographs. And I said, you know what, I'll do it, and and I just kept doing it, and then that's how it actually uh, moved. And once I once I left football, I'm thinking that the opportunities would subside, but they just kept going. Oh, and that's, that's awesome. It, and that's how it started. Yeah.
3: When you when you do your motivational speaking, you do it in front of large groups. You do it in front of um, corporate groups. You do it in, in, in with, with you do. I see that you have a religious or a um, type theme to what you're speaking about.
1: Yeah, well, if I'm if I'm afforded the opportunity, and and if they ask, because I am unapologetic about it, okay. I love God. Okay, and and. I believe that that is um, my source, in speaking and speaking and investing is my resource, but God is my source. And um, every once in a while they'll say, you know what, you could talk about that, and then I do. Um, and oftentimes they're like, you know, can you keep that tucked away? I'm like, sure. And I'll just talk about concepts and strategies uh, in winning in corporate settings.
3: Okay. And how much do you, um, whenever you do speak and you talk about your career and everything you've done, how m- do you give credit to um, your religious belief and your religious background?
1: Yes, I do. I, I, I most definitely do. Um, at the same time, I give... Um, Honor and respect to the organization. Okay, uh, and 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 oftentimes it's okay uh, because that might be offensive to people in the room. Um, you know, keep that on a more one-on-one, and I do, but but you know, uh, if the atmosphere is conducive for that, my thing is this, honestly, is that people are and it's just my opinion, hope it's not offensive, but people are tired of hearing about God. They want to see God. Okay. Okay. They want to see love in your face. They want to see compassion in your voice. They want to see it. You know, I can similarly do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hand in motion, but your tongue too fast may run. You know, it's enough of the actual lip service. Can you exude God without mentioning his name? And that has a more profound effect. Okay. Okay. Than just, you know, yeah.
3: That's that's interesting to say that. So, do you f- uh, feel that you're a religious motivational speaker, or is religion just part of the motivation?
1: I am. I'm neither. I am. I am a man that loves the Lord, who is a motivational speaker. Okay. Um, honestly, I don't like boxes you know yeah it's 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 hey i love god it is but my occupation is i'm a motivational inspirational speaker i'm a life coach i'm a trainer and i'm a CEO. okay oh and a father and a husband okay (laughs) forget that
3: (laughs) yeah the most important roles right
1: um exactly
3: (laughs) so when, when you you made a comment about um your motivational speaking What are some of the things that you talk about to these large corporations that you speak to?
1: Well, you know what? I try to sell them. Well, I don't like these words, try. I sell them on the winning edge, on the winning concept. Okay. And I challenge them to look at their systems and their practices and let's turn this from a success paradigm to a winning paradigm. So let me give you an example. Um you'll say you have a medium to a large corporation, so you have an inner circle of executives. Do you think they want to be successful or do you think they want to win? They want to win. They're, they're already yeah. successful. They're C, you know, they're like six and seven figure guys and girls. They're like they're all like C suites people. You know, they you know you know they they're at the apex of the game. They want to win now.
2: Right. So
1: when you have quarterly estimates those quarterly estimates because I love the stock market I'm a trader you know and I'm on, you know because I'm on the boards I love that stuff level two all nine years all day uh, and <clears throat> <laughs> there's an actual quarterly that comes out and these are your numbers either you won or you didn't it's not well well you're successful it's you want to win the challenge is now, is that although the C suites and the business owners and executives and the CEOs are thinking about winning, they teach their staff, the people who work for them, middle management and under, they teach them success. And that's and that's wrong. Okay. Everyone from the everyone from the custodian to the C suite needs to be thinking about winning. Okay. And that's how you have an atmosphere that is congruent for success. How do you have teamwork on an actual success model? You don't.
3: Interesting. I would have never thought of that. Um, so, when you give a, it, when you give a speech to different groups, are you trying to, to uh, tailor it to those individual groups, or do you have one speech that you do for everybody?
1: So I have. I do, I do a little bit of both. I have modules that I can slip in and out of, but I do, um, a lot of research. Um, well, to be honest, my office, they do a lot of research and it's like, okay, who is the actual corporation? Okay. (laughs) What are they looking for? I think what's like, like I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things that I try to do is wherever I go, um, the first thing I do is I, I learn the culture and I learn the language. Uh, it's really hard to speak to a culture or an actual organization if you don't know the language. And so I begin to understand their terms, understand. And then from there, I begin to understand their pain. Okay. Cause then okay. I begin to speak to the pain. Yeah. And then from, and then because I really I'm really looking at this as my calling, as a mission, not just a paycheck. So I have 45 minutes to an hour if I'm not invited back to do leadership to change the culture to a winning culture.
2: Okay.
3: Now, if I... So so, what would be some of the things that you would talk about to change that to a winning culture?
1: But so sometimes in a... In a, in a success paradigm, we talk about goals. These are your corporate goals. You know, these are your best practices. In a winning paradigm, we talk about strategies, okay, which forces collaboration. Corporations or actual corporate, we might focus on teams working together with winning we focus on teams working as one. You know, okay. Some of the greatest, some of some of the greatest successes of people or just organizations were the result of teams. Like we talk about Bill Gates all the time, right? But we never talk about his teammate, Mr. Allen. Okay. We talk about Mick Jagger. We love Mick Jagger in the Rolling Stones, right? We Mick Jagger, great. But no one seemed to. to no one seems to notice another guy named Keith Richards, right oh, next. Correct. Time. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. So there's always. Yeah, you talk about Warren Buffett, but you don't talk about his partner Charlie. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you're, you're talking.
3: Yeah. You're talking about the, the 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 um the face of the organization. You're not talking about the people behind him.
1: Right. Right. And every team, um, has you know, a face. You know, he might be the running back or he might be the quarterback, but then there's their core offensive linemen that they don't work together, they work as one. And I guarantee you, you know, you can have the most diehard fan right now listening to sports right now. Yeah. And I guarantee you and I guarantee you they cannot name the five starting offensive linemen on their
2: team. You're
3: probably right, yeah. (laughs) But they can they can name the face behind the line and they can name the running backs and the uh, tight ends and the receivers. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that is that's very interesting because there's the there's more parts to this. There's more some of the parts of the whole because you right. need these people to make a successful team and a successful organization. So that's what you're focusing yeah. on is how everybody is actually unique in their own way. But when they work together, they actually can become successful.
1: Yes. Yes. Or I would say they could win. Okay.
3: <laughs> okay. I got it. I got it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's yeah. right. Because that is the, the it's the, it's the, uh, the, the winning edge is the name of the book that you yeah. wrote and when did you write the book?
1: I wrote the book a year and a half ago. Okay, and, you know what? Listen, it that book took years to come out, but now that that's finished, I have another one that's finished, and because I was able to, you know, I call it the do little concept. Once you do it once, then it just it just it, it's easy to replicate at that
3: point. Okay, and. What type of groups do you speak to? Do you speak to, um, uh, like I said, large corporations? Do you speak to high schools? Do you speak to groups that, anywhere in between that that type, or or is there just one that you focus on?
1: Yeah, so I do schools and I do uh, associations and I do corporations. I've had a lot of successes. It's interesting. I had a lot of success with corporations from, let's say. 75 to maybe five or six hundred employees for some reason. Oh really where the where the CEO is still active okay. in in the, in the day-to-day operations and he or she is usually in the room.
3: Okay. Um, the message you give a large group like that and compared to school groups is it basically the same or is it is it um, much different?
1: Much different um, because you have to give them information that they can ingest. And so with the school, you know, one of the things that I've, you know, focused on for years is meeting people where they're at and then taking them out of the room. Um, So what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not going to speak to a bunch of amazing high school students, about collaborations and and best practices in the workplace. At the same time, I'm not going to talk to corporate America about your choices. You know, you're not born winners or losers. You're born choosers or whatever. You know. Uh, so each message is tailored uh, for the audience.
3: And have when you when you speak to the high school groups. Have you had students come up to you at the end and say they can identify with the struggles that you have?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, um, Often. You know, I've had some crazy stories. Like, um, I remember one time I was in Nashville. I was in the beautiful city of Nashville at the Embassy Suites. I'm in the elevator, and this kid keeps looking at me. He's he's like in his 20s now. And and rings and we're telling him to go to breakfast you know, and we're eating downstairs and he says, sir, are you Sean Harper? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm Sean Harper. And he reaches into his back pocket and he pulls out my football card. He's like, you signed this uh, five or six years ago <laughs> and I carry it everywhere I go. I carry this card. Thank you. I'm like, wow. So yeah, yeah, especially with High school students, well, actually any crowd, if you want to win their heart to get to their head, they have to be able to identify with you.
2: Okay.
3: They
1: cannot identify with you and not going to get the message across.
3: Okay. Um, Now, you said you had some interesting stories. Would you be willing to share one or two of those with us?
1: interesting stories as in reference to what
3: when you're talking about people coming up to you and, and, and relating to your experiences.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've had stories, which is amazing, uh, where, um, I would be speaking in front of a corporate environment and I'm talking to either one of the C levels or the actual CEO. And, you know, he's, Amongst everyone, and you know, we're talking, and then oftentimes, you know, they, you know, let's go out to dinner, you know, let's go out to dinner, and to hear this, you know, man or woman, literally just break down, like you know what, he spoke directly to me, to my pain, to my struggle, and just to have a very transparent conversation. I'm handing this person a napkin because in leadership. There's very little outlets for the pressure and the and the agony that they go through and that they deal with from a day-to-day basis. And to switch off the motivational hat and put on the counseling hat for to be a confidant, it's just amazing. And then have that same individual an hour later, get their composure and go right back into game mode when it, so you go back. To the office it's just fascinating. that happens so many times it happens with high school principals as well Oh you know? interesting.
3: But, yeah. I would have never thought of that
1: I know it's crazy right but 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 the actual administrators are under so much pressure and scrutiny uh, and they understand and they feel when you know a student doesn't do well right. or. If a student drops out of school, if a student commits suicide, you know, they feel that as well, but they can't project or to betray that in the Western, you know, concept of leadership. Right. You can't show that. And, you, know, you know, it gets so lonely at the top. And once they trust you, then they can open themselves up to you. Like I said, if you can get their heart, you can get their head. So...
3: One thing I want to know, and I think it's really interesting just listening to you, that you sound a lot like a, I I can use the word therapist, or someone that's able to, to sit and listen to someone. Have you had training to do this, or has it just come naturally to
1: you? Naturally. I'm not a therapist, but I have learned to listen to what's being said and to listen to what's not being said. I have learned to uh, master body language uh, because of speaking and other challenges that you know okay I have learned how to navigate people well and to listen to people well uh and um plus I believe it is a blessing from God um they call it discernment and um I'm just listening um and and I'm also listening to say okay how do I address this how do I support this how do I attack this
3: but yeah so. so if you if you would go back say 20 25 30 years ago could you see yourself doing what you're doing now or or would you be totally shocked that this is the abilities that you have that you're able to work with people like this and actually motivate them to be better than that what they actually what they are right now? You're you're giving them that winning edge.
1: Um, I could see it, but not on this level. Okay, because it's something that I've done off and on for my entire life, okay. just encouraging, helping people. Yeah, but not at not at this level currently, and not at the level that I'm going.
3: And with your dealing with all this this these people talking to you and dealing and talking about their problems or their situations, I know that can be difficult for someone to take in. how do you how are you able to do that without it affecting the way you present?
1: Um, <clears throat> one thing I've learned in sports. Is how to compartmentalize. You know, you have to have a short memory. Okay. And, uh, like example, if you are a corner, not a quarter, but a quarterback, and you get burned, yes, <laughs> that, that was the last play. If you're still dwelling on that play, it's going to infect, not just affect, the rest of your play for the rest of the game. Right. You have to learn how to to actually compartmentalize one of the things i do also is that i'm and as i get older i'm more sensitive to me time i'm more sensitive to when sean needs a break okay and i've learned how i've learned how to look at um, um, external cues that I'm doing subconsciously that okay it's time for you to pull back now um, if I'm being a bit more short uh, with my um, responses or attitudes I'm like you know what you, you you need to pull back you need to sit on that couch listen to some good jazz or whatever okay. and you just need to relax for a few days because you're on the edge right now oh yeah trust me it happens it happens
3: Oh, I honestly, just listening to what you're saying to me, I can imagine that it happens um, because a lot of people are looking for you. I don't want to say for answers, but they're looking for you for guidance. And that's a lot of pressure.
1: Yes, it is. It is. It is a ton of pressure. And I do a ton of relaxing, a ton of meditating, a ton of praying. and, And now I'm to the point to where I have people whom I'm accountable to. Okay. I have people who have the right to call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week and call me out on my stuff. Any At any point in the day, they can say, Sean, what's going on with this? And I am accountable to them. You have to be.
3: That's it. That's very, that's very interesting that, uh, that you, that you have that now, on average, and I know that every year is going to be different. How uh, I mean, how many times do you go out and speak to groups?
1: Um, you know what? Honestly, I don't count. Okay, because that's I the one thing that'd be interesting. It's, it's, it's um, I, I keep looking ahead. Okay. I don't say, "Well, I've spoken this many times," or "This is what i did." I try not to get into that mindset of "This is what I this is what I did." As sometimes that can be dangerous. It's, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm doing.
3: Okay. Um. And and you made a comment, and I I thought of this when you said this. Have you done a presentation that has not gone the way you thought it should?
1: Oh man. And
3: how do you re, how do you regroup after that?
1: Well, you know what. I can be my own uh, worst worst <laughs> critic.
3: I think we all are. Yeah, um, I understand that. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so one of the things that I do is once I get out of my like, oh man, I just um, once I get out of that mindset because, you know it happens, right? Yes. It is is that is that I learn? So I'll give you a real true example of such. Okay. Um, one of my challenges used to be—it's not anymore. It used to be speaking, uh, is or was speaking to educators. Okay, it, it was really tough for me to speak to professors, <laughs> doctors, teachers. It was kind of tough, and maybe because of my challenges growing up, you know. I Makes sense. Like, oh, give me that! Oh, give me that! Oh, give me that! Yeah, it makes sense. You know, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, But, 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 they tend to uh, recognize credentials. And, you know, if you don't have the credentials in that field, then it's really hard at times uh, because they're geared on receiving information that way. Okay. And so I had to uh, develop strategies, you know, to how do I disarm the educators and, but yet at the same time, convey information to them, uh, that, that they can receive respect and appreciate. And I've learned to, uh, um, I've learned to adapt in some, in some amazing strategies. One of the strategies that I use is that as soon as I walk in the door, maybe after the first or uh, second sentence, I'm letting them know, Hey, I don't have your credentials. This is just, so now I'm just disarming. I can only speak from my experience. Okay. You know, and then once they see that, like, they okay, okay. You know, okay. I'm going to give you the student's perspective. So then it kind of, okay, I can, in other words, what I'm doing is that I'm framing my conversation with, and that's, so when I talk to students, I do the same thing when 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 I speak to students. I'm like I'm not you. I'm not a youth. However, and then I'm framing my conversation so that that they can receive it.
3: That's interesting that you say you you put it that way because that would because you realize what your limitations are. And the people you're talking to realize their limitations. And then once you guys do that, you can meet in the middle and have a successful conversation and a a successful event.
1: Yes, exactly. Great way of putting that. Uh, Thank you.
3: (laughs) You're welcome. Um, But I, 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 I'm just so impressed listening to you uh, talk and how you're doing it because a lot of motivational speakers that I've spoken to before are not as down to earth as you are. You seem very humble to me. You know what you can do. You know where your limitations are, but yet you know how to communicate to people in a way that you can feel comfortable with them and they feel comfortable with you.
1: Well, first and foremost, thank you. Um, That, that is a true blessing and i pray uh that i will always remain that way
2: okay
1: um and uh, because i think it's very very refreshing to hear authenticity and transparency and and so yeah first and foremost thank you and lord keep me broken keep me broken
3: and there is a co- a quote that you use and I think it is a uh, it's a great quote it really is we are not born winners or losers we are born choosers and I think that is so you a- know what I am I am
1: getting rid of that quote because I'm a winner <laughs> <laughs> I have to I have to disavow that quote I used to give that quote in schools all the time but you know what I have to disavow that quote now. Because but, I am born a winner.
3: Okay. You so see, you, see, you see the change all, is what you're seeing. I got gotcha.
1: you. Yeah. You see, you see, look, look all, all actions comes or stems from your thoughts. And all thoughts come from your belief. And the, your belief comes from what's called your self-concept. Who okay. are you? Are you victim or are you victor? was a great book written by a classic surgeon, uh, in the 50s, 60s. His name was Maxwell Maltz. He wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics, and he talks about your self-concept of who you are. And I have adopted the fact that I'm a winner. So I have winning beliefs, winning thoughts, winning actions. And so you have to, uh, uh attack that because this world makes trillions of dollars telling you who you are and telling you who you're not,
2: okay,
3: and that's a w an interesting way of looking at it um because but but again the the reason I like that quote is because when you talk to people, you're gonna have people in that room that look at themselves as losers. But you're telling them you don't have to be a loser because of your circumstances. You're choosing if you're going to be a winner or a loser. And I think that's why I, yeah. I think a lot of people can identify with that because you go in with them. They're having a bad whatever it may be. They see they're, they're not making the successes. But if they just change one thing ever so minor, it may be just enough to put them on a different uh, trajectory to get them where they need to be.
1: One, 100% true. And, and nine times out of 10, the thing that they have to change is inside of them. Yeah. Just like you said, it's that, you know, you are, you are a winner or, or, or you are here to win or you are here to dominate or you are here to contribute. Uh-huh. It's like halftime, you know, it, Everyone needs that halftime moment, you know. So when you play football or when you play sports, yes. you know, there's yeah. a moment where you have a break, and that break in the middle is called halftime. And right. you go into the locker room and you make adjustments, and you come out as a victor. But if you come out as a victim, you'll still have the same result. So you right. have to have a halftime moment where you take some time out and say, hmm, where am I going? What's my, you know, current trajectory let's make some changes from the inside out not from the outside in
2: and
3: you need that time to regroup so you can see where you're going yes and that that is that that makes a lot of sense that really does because i think a lot of people when they have so many things either work for them or work against them they get immune to the situation and if something's not working with you for a long period of time you just think it's you and not the situation and it could be something you change. Right. I know people that are wonderful people, but they're pessimists and they see the glass is half empty. And when you do that day in and day out, that comes across the people. And that is a negative way of dealing with things. But like you said, you're a winner. You keep going. You see, you see the positive of everything that's going to put you in a better light for what you have to do in your own life.
1: Yeah, you are, you are exactly 100% correct. And now I'm going to have to encourage you now that you might have to get into the motivation field (laughs) yourself. (laughs) You're doing it.
3: Well, thank you very much. Not that I'm trying to do it or anything, but I'm listening to you and I understand where you're coming from because you've had so much against you and you never let it get you down. You always saw that you had potential and not only you saw it, your mother saw it. And she probably did the same thing for your siblings, all six of them, or five of them, yes. to motivate them. And they're probably doing very well in their lives today, too.
1: They're doing well. Um, um, I had lost my brother to cancer. Mm. But outside of that, uh-huh. um, my family is doing well. They're all alive. Um, they're you know, entrepreneurs, uh, um they're just amazing people my sister works with me at the security firm okay um, and my other sisters in South Carolina uh, she's an actual controller for a very successful or a very winning firm um, and my brother's alive now he owns his own company in fact it's sort of funny my mom adopted uh, a, another Harper after us my cousin's uh, son she took him one of six months and he's doing very well so we're moving we're growing
3: (laughs) and again your mother must is your mother still alive or did she pass away
1: yes edith harper edith harper is still alive she's awesome
3: she must be one heck of a woman really just to, to have a son like you and everybody else because it again, you 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 just sound amazing and you'd probably be one of those guys that you'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with and sit and talk. Because I could do this with yeah. you much longer. Unfortunately, we ran out of time.
1: Okay, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Hey, you know what? I live I live not too far from you, buddy. Yeah. So if you ever get to Columbus, we can go we can go grab a nice... Uh cappuccino and what is that in this talk there's no problem
3: that's uh that sounds great sean i really appreciate it and um again you said you have a new book coming out and when will that be released
1: um that that book will be released uh the first part of uh, december i have to like massage it and you know, because I'm overcritical, of course. You know, you know, right? Make sure it's great. Uh, but that book can be centered around goals. Okay. And why most people never achieve their goals, uh, and it's not about something that's internal, something that's external. Building okay. a team for you to win. But I have, I have something for your audience today. Okay. Uh, I mentioned the book, The Winning Edge. Now you can get, or you can, you know, go to Amazon. You can get that under Sean Harper, The Winning Edge. But I have. I have something for you. See, if you go to Sean Harper, Sean with a W, SeanHarper.co, not .dot com, but .dot co. Okay. You can actually download an entire digital copy of my book. Oh, hopefully. that's awesome! Yeah, that's cool.
3: And that, and again, that the name of that book is "The Winning Edge," and yep. uh, that's the first book you wrote. And one mm-hmm. thing before I let you go on this on the book when you started writing this and you said it took you years to do it, when you finished that book, did you feel that you accomplished something that you never thought you'd be able to do?
1: You know what? Honestly, it was a brief, maybe about, about a half hour. Like, yes. And then that's
3: it. Okay. That's the next
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> next Cause once you get done, <laughs> you got to do more, right? Yeah, that's right. It's like, you know what? You won a game. Okay. Enjoy the moment. And then right. tomorrow we start focusing on Pittsburgh or New Orleans or <laughs> Detroit. You know, you, you have to keep moving. I gotcha. Hey, Sean,
3: thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you in the new book. And good luck with everything you do. I really appreciate you taking time to talk with us tonight.
1: Thank you, sir. You'd be blessed. You have a great day.
3: Hey, you too. We'll talk to you next time. Sean Harper former uh, NFL player here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Enjoyable conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, again, uh, opened my eyes up a lot. And, And it's really nice to hear someone be that positive and talk about how they overcame their own things. And they did it. They did it. And it's really amazing to talk to him. But as I always say... I hear music, and when I hear music, it's time for me to go. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM McKeesport and also on Fayette TV Channel 77 and italknet.com. Everybody, you have a great one. We'll talk to you next time. Here Online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.
0: If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that...